began in Jan, in distant Wuhan, and spread from there to Singapore. Still further afield, it started to fan and soon was knocking on England's door. Born aloft on gentle breezes, carried on seemingly harmless sneezes, nestled in innocent coughs and wheezes, through your lungs it went weaving, leaving you with trouble breathing, and sparing neither man nor woman. First, the government did little besides its usual bluff and bluster. You just need to contain your spittle and some wartime spirit muster. Don't fuss about the death rate mounting, the exponential growth we're counting. No cause to think we're not surmounting this pesky nuisance of a virus. Chin up, people. We'll survive this. If some old folk die, that's only natural. At their age, frankly, it's unavoidable. Some might even say desirable. So please, pipe down and cease your hollering. Rest assured that the science we're following. At last the people in a body to social media came flocking. It's clear the Prime Minister's a noddy. And as for his Cabinet Ministers, shocking. To think the country chose to elect this doll who's failing to protect us and doing nothing to detect who's got or not this dread disease while lounging in checkers at his ease. Rouse yourself, man. Give your brains a racking to find the remedy we're lacking, or, sure as fate, we'll call for your sacking. With his ministers, Johnson sat, short and blonde and wondrous fat, and tan still from his recent stay on Mustique with his fiancée, Miss Simmons, a most ambitious wench. Lord knows why else she'd find him, hench. An hour they sat in sombre council, at length, the PM broke the silence. Once forced to concede that herd immunity is a tad unpopular in the community. But how to save face and one's impunity confronted with this Covid crap? Just as he said this, what should hap? But on the chamber door, a rap. Come in, cried the PM, looking bigger. And in did come the strangest figure. He looked like he'd come straight from bed. A beanie hat pulled round his head. His shirt hung loose about his chest. Unbuttoned and below was dressed in trackies that had seen their best. And on his feet, was this some jest? A pair of trainers? Not, in short, abreast of fashion or intending to instill unrest. His lips a gash, his dark eyes cavernous, his body so thin it looked cadaverous, his expression suggested longings ravenous. It's Dom! yelled Boris, sounding better. We'll do what he says to the letter. Up sloped the spad to the council table. Listen up, you guys. I'm able to turn the situation round. If you do exactly what I say and follow my orders all the way, this vulgar clamour I will confound. To dodge the bullet for this confusion, you must enforce nationwide seclusion. Lockdown will curtail the blowback. 
and prove you more than a blithering ball sack. Across his face, a sly grin spread, of the kind you'd find on one not long dead. I'm famous, as you know, for being a maverick, with envied powers to con and trick. It was I who led vote leave to victory by divining what makes people tick. My election strategy next made history by turning the red wall to our cause. We now have the means to make a mockery of civil servants and EU laws. I know how, if you'll let me do it. Spiffing! cried Johnson. Let's get to it! They announced it next day on terrestrial TV. We're in the grip of a global pandemic and, regrettably, as a matter of urgency, if we want to prevent it becoming endemic, we need to declare a state of emergency. It won't be easy, said the PM. But tempus fugit, a carpe diem. The Premier's words sparked national panic. From Waitrose to Aldi, the scenes were manic. Young and old alike were frantic, buying up loo roll, pasta and beans, desperate to stockpile sufficient means to last a month of siege or longer. Covid, t'was certain, was moving faster than they'd been told, and fear now was stronger. But would lockdown suffice to avert a disaster? While most folk were grateful, others were surlier. Why did the government not do this much earlier? If things are really as bad as they're saying, what's their excuse for the weeks of delaying? And how are we meant to pay the bills when this, with one blow, our livelihood kills? Restrictions like these are really not funny. Unless, like them, you're loaded with money. Or in receipt of a trust fund from Granny. Thus began the weirdest time. To step outside was all but a crime. City centres, once sites of plenty, were shut down, deserted, eerily empty. Concert halls, cinemas, theatres fell dark. Football, rugby, racing, all stopped. Even Henley and Wimbledon had to be dropped. Nothing and no one escaped lockdown's mark. Bereft of an office or workplace to go to, parents vis mothers struggled to see to, homeschooling and cooking and keeping things clean while their offspring sat idle or stared at a screen. Trying to do your lessons by Zoom is tough when the classroom is also your bedroom. Those over 40 went mad for pub quizzes. Those under 20 turned TikTok whizzes. The more intellectual were keen to seize the chance to master Taiwanese and replaced the hours spent earning salaries with online tours of museums and galleries. But the stress of not knowing when this would end was soon driving many a bit round the bend. Cooped up with only the closely related, the pleasure of loved ones was rapidly sated. Lost holiday bookings were sadly lamented, and people with gardens were deeply resented by people in flats who were going demented. Not so easy to be cheery and gay when life's a perpetual Groundhog Day. If lockdown was bad for human psychology, it was working wonders for natural ecology. Relieved of cars, the air was glittering. Treetops with birdsong were brimming and bristling. Rivers ran limpid. Streams were tinkling. And by night, 
you could see a million stars twinkling. On hospital wards, the grim situation exposed how many the virus was killing. With ICU beds now rapidly filling, the stats and the stories grew ever more chilling. Hollow assurance from Minister Hancock, a man whose appearance resembled a windsock, generally met with frank incredulity and failed to whitewash the dire reality. Why do our medics lack basic equipment? And where is the government's promised mask shipment? In daily news briefings, top ministers vied to persuade the public they had not lied, but more often succeeded in sounding like crooks with their combo of fake facts and shifty looks, and proof on top they were cooking the books, doling out contracts to all their old mates at highly preferential rates. As the outcry grew louder, they doubled down harder, hiring Dyson to make ventilators. That will enrage the Brexit haters. A still greater scandal was even now looming, in care homes where Covid was budding and blooming, and frail inhabitants tenderly grooming for death's cold embrace, while anguished and fuming their relation cried out. Are these muffins for chop? Though old in years, they're not ready to drop. This immoral culling has got to stop. These are our uncles, our fathers, our brothers. Our sisters and aunts, our dearly loved mothers. How can you sit by while they die in agony? Scared and alone. It's an outright travesty of a basic value that ought to define us. Care for the weakest, both seniors and minors. For almost ten days there'd been no sign of Bojo, and word now leaked out he'd fallen ill. The virus had got him, making mints of his mojo. In fact, it transpired, he'd been taken to hospital and was there being treated by nurses he'd cheated of settled status and income raises. Not that this stopped him from singing their praises. By early May, tens of thousands were dead. Inflated stats! So the government said. The deceased were interred with indecent speed, at funerals meagre and wretched indeed, and only five mourners, whatever their creed. More bitter their tears since their dear ones had died, without one relative at their side. To stroke their hand or caress their cheek, or a final, I love you, able to speak. The distress made acuter by the discovery their loved ones caught Covid from those still in recovery. Yet sent back to care homes on official instruction, knowing full well it would speed their destruction. Before there was time, the press to debrief, a furore broke out over Chancer-in-Chief, who'd been spotted 600 miles from home. An indignant public started to foam. Why is it OK for him to roam? Why is he allowed to stroll round Barnard Castle? And united for once, they pronounced him an asshole. said the angel in white from the Number 10 garden, offering nothing approaching a pardon. I was simply trying to test my eyesight, as was permitted, and my perfect right. The PM, like Tammy, by his man loyally stood. Uh, he was uh, using his instinct as a good parent should. But the top spad was by no means out of the wood. We love our children as much as he. If he can go wandering, why can't we? 
And off they headed, en masse, for the sea. The sight of Britain's beaches heaving with day-trippers had the scientists seething. How are we meant to convey the message this conduct will a second-wave presage when the government yaks on about common sense, ignoring the fact that it's criminally dense? And experts weren't the only ones grumbling. The government's ratings were now tumbling, and throughout the land was heard a mumbling, and the mumbling grew to an angry rumbling. We're out here clapping the NHS, but there's still no procedure in place for tests. Our functioning app for track and trace, without which, what hope of winning this race? You claim you're putting your arms around us, but so far all you've done is ground us. All this whiffle and waffle about the RA is just double speak for too little, too late. The PM grew pale and looked distraught. Mm, being leaders, not such fun as I thought. My popularity slowed to a trickle. Buck up, chaps! Get me out of this pickle! His ministers sat there as if turned to stone, struck dumb by the cool for ideas of their own. But then, from the corner, a soft monotone. Since the people are growing restive, let's give them something to make them feel festive. Sod the scientists and their predictions. The time is ripe to ease restrictions and let people follow their own convictions. On learning they're allowed out for a piss-up, they'll quickly forget about my little slip-up. Tell them that as of the 15th of June. Normal life will resume. Not a moment too soon for restaurateurs who'll sing to our song sheet. When gloomsters and doomsters start to bleat, this policy will infections double. Spin some line about forming a bubble. Say we're rebuilding from Covid's rubble. Rishi can spend his way out of this trouble. Woo them with vouchers for cheap dinners. That'll make everyone feel like winners. Don't worry your noddies about relaxation. You can offset costs later by hiking taxation. All those inclined to magical thinking race to the boozer to resume social drinking. And thanks to half-hearted official insistence, seemed to forget all about social distance, which inevitably led to new spikes in the death toll. Ha! Local surges! What larks! How droll! Anyone up for a game of whack-a-mole? An old euphemism someone unveils for... A silly solution that usually fails. As the newly liberated, duly celebrated, the more cautious and wary agitated. We cannot put it any plainer. This approach to Covid's a world beat in failure. Is the government wicked or simply moronic? One wonders with recklessness this byronic. Oh, for pity's sake, is it too much to ask to make it mandatory to wear a mask? The stats all show our excess mortality is considerably higher than Spain's or Italy's. So why slap quarantine on us when they're in need of protection from us? And while we're on the subject of clarity, what's happening with our national security? Since Sedwell's been sacked, and at what cost? Now there's no one to save us but David Frost! But any hope of good governance had long since been lost. As autumn leaves turned from green to gold, coronavirus renewed its hold, taking advantage of summer easing to sally forth and do its pleasing. 
And just as many had predicted, the nation found itself afflicted with a second wave as bad as the first. The country was once more in Covid's grip. Things could hardly get much worse. But the government continued to shoot from the hip, demanding compliance while courting defiance with edicts that, frankly, made no sense. This rule of six and three-tier system is really starting to do my head in. There's way more than six in my son's class. This is just a total farce. So, stay at home but go to work if you can't. And wear a mask unless you won't or shan't. You're perfectly safe, love, as long as you're sitting. It's only those standing the virus is hitting. I'll bet that Dido is lamenting she ever took charge of track and tracing. The death rate was pushing 50k. Dismay amidst chaos, the name of the day. Darkness fell, winter drew in, hospitality and retail faced ruin. Only inside contracts were still a shoo-in. An awful sense of deja vu assailed all but the luckiest few. But then, strange rumours from Downing Street. Talk of a rift, a coup, a defeat. And very soon after, in mid-November, a day you would do well to remember. A shadow scuttled from number 10 and was seen scurrying off towards Islington and when pressed by reporters for a reason was heard to say My work is done. Alas, alas for England. Ten long years of Tory cuts had gouged great holes in the country's guts and Covid, hard on austerity's tail, had left a still more deadly trail. An incurable crisis in public health, a catastrophe for the country's wealth, and these were just the iceberg's tip. Far scarier what lay under it. A nation sabotaged by stealth. At last, as if from a long sleep woke, the people saw they were pigs in a poke, the hapless butts of a dismal joke. Those entrusted with their destiny were naught but gamblers in duplicity. We've danced to the tune of a little-known piper whose vision akin to the bite of a viper has plunged the land into deep depression. Ensured a future scarred by recession. Smashed our lives like a wrecking ball. And from our children, stolen all. What's to become now of our poor darlings, with their years of schooling crumbs for starlings, and prospects worthless as two farthings? The sunlit uplands we were sold, as there for the taking, and told would be our children's making have by daylight been dismissed as nothing more than airy mist. The slogan's fatuous, the guidelines vacuous, the failure to do the blindingly obvious, the endless U-turns, confusion and muddle. We're all just foils for plans to dismantle the media, judiciary and most of all Whitehall. Tory MPs, with not a murmur of mutiny, have voted through laws for trade deals beyond scrutiny. So now, on top of the lack of a vaccine, there's the pleasant prospect of chicken in chlorine. They've stacked the loads and seized our data, and God alone knows what's in store for us later. We thought we'd elected parliamentarians, not a bunch of lethal libertarians. Even with vaccines or a cure... We've been right royally shafted, that much is sure. Beguiled by leaders who plainly despise us and whose brazen lies no longer surprise us. Too late, we see, the dreams for our progeny were naught but coin for vilest larceny. And beyond any doubt, their self-serving endgame, 
has brought upon this land great shame, and will our young ones' futures maim. Whilst they on Covid everything blame. So, Brits, beware of rats in all their guises. Do not fall for their surprises. Small ones, tall ones, manky or swanky. Their plans are almost always skanky. Watch out especially for grand disruptors, whose prime intentions to corrupt us. Whatever befalls the economy, their true target is democracy. Pied Piper of Covid was written by Rebecca Abrams. The narrator was Katura Morish. The Prime Minister was Simon Lenigan. The Piper was Jack Tyvey. The citizens were Jack Simpson, Sue Swallow, Katie Freedy Walton, Jack Tyvey and Simon Lenigan. The music was by Jeremy Arden. Thanks also to Penny Borum, Oscar Davis, Esther Shanson, Kate Clanchy, Sally Bailey, Amanda McKenzie-Stewart, Solly Slim, Jesse Slim, and Nick Morbooth at Evolution Studios in Oxford. Thank you.